Welcome to Theater Talk. I'm Ann McBride. Co-host Ed Shopes and I are here the first and third Fridays of the month to tell you all about what's happening in the Mid-Willamette Valley theater world. Hi, Ed. Hi, Ann, and welcome, theater lovers. I love it here on Theater Talk. We get to interview interesting guests about great shows happening at theaters throughout the Mid-Valley. So tell us, Ann, who's up first on today's episode? Joining us first today on KMUZ Theater Talk, Pinnacle Theater President Emma Thurston and Operations Manager Stephen Trahan will tell us all about what's coming up on Pinnacle's 2024 season. And in our second interview, we'll talk with director Hannah Fawcett and actors Jeff Sanders and Amelia Woolsey from William Shakespeare's A Winter's Tale, coming to Struts and Fretz Theater Company August 16th through 19th at the Eola Hills Wine Cellars on Highway 99 in Recreal. But first, let's check out our KMUZ Theater Talk calendar to see what else is on the boards. Ed? All right. Albany Civic Theater is at albanycivic.org. And Albany Civic Summer Theater Camp starts July 31st and ends with performances of My Son Pinocchio Jr. August 18th through 26th. And ACT will hold auditions July 24th through 26th for She Kills Monsters. Check the albanycivic.org website for more information. Brush Creek Playhouse at brushcreekplayhouse.com. On stage July 28th through August 13th is the melodrama The Rustler's Revenge, directed by Norman Gouveia. Brush Creek Playhouse is also calling for directors to propose for shows at their playhouse and for actors to audition. If you're looking to be on stage or direct, they'd love to hear from you at brushcreekplayhouse.com. Children's Educational Theater is at cetsalem.org. CET's 2023 season for students in grades 4 through 12 kicks off their series of kids shows July 21st at the Salem Art Fair and Festival in Bush's Pasture Park and at various places around Salem through July 27th. Go to cetsalem.org and click on the calendar page for show dates and times. The Elsinore Theater at elsinoretheater.com. For info about local events and touring shows on stage at the Elsinore, go to elsinoretheater.com or their Facebook page. Enlightened Theatrics is at enlightenedtheatrics.org. Enlightened's Summer Camp 2023 runs August 14th through 25th with expanded class offerings for middle and high school students and an introductory theater class for elementary kids. For more information, go to enlightenedtheatrics.org. Gallery Theater at gallerytheater.org. Next up on Gallery Theater stage is Pride and Prejudice, July 28th through August 13th. Check out our KMUZ Theater Talk podcast for our interview with director Katrina Goddard and actor Derek Moore from the show. Currently in rehearsal at Gallery is Matilda the Musical, which will be on stage September 8th through October 1st, and Gallery directors are planning auditions soon for their productions of Puffs and Anne of Green Gables. So go to Gallery Theater's website and sign up to get audition notices. Kaiser Homegrown Theater is at kaiserhomegrowntheater.org. 
Playing through July 30th at KHT is The Book of Will by Lauren Gunderson. Check out our KMUZ Theater Talk podcast for an interview with show director Linda Baker. The Majestic Theater at Majestic.org and at the Majestic Theater on Facebook. Majestic has a youth theater and they are presenting Disney's Beauty and the Beast July 27th through 30th. And that is followed by Majestic's summer youth camp production of Shakespeare's Comedy of Errors, August 25th through 26th. And November 4th through 19th, Candor and Ebb's hit musical Cabaret will be on stage at the Majestic Theater in downtown Corvallis. Get tickets for all these shows at Majestic.org. Mid-Valley Musical Theater is on Facebook at Mid-Valley Musical Theater. And they're presenting the musical Newsies, August 11th through 19th at the Albany Performing Arts Center at West Albany High School. We'll learn more from the director and some actors from Newsies on our next Theater Talk program. Pinnacle Theater at PinnacleTheater.org. Pinnacle announced its 2024 season of shows at the Salem Art Fair and Festival. Joining us later on today's program are Pinnacle Theater Board President, Emma Thurston, and Operations Manager Stephen Trahan to tell us all about it. And coming up August 11th through September 2nd at Pinnacle is The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, directed by Debbie Neal. We'll talk with Debbie and some of the cast from the show on our next edition of KMUZ Theater Talk. And finally, Joe Dodge's acting workshop for actors 18 and older is at Pinnacle Theater's rehearsal studio in downtown Salem. To sign up, go to tickets.pinnacletheater.org. The Salem Playhouse is at thesalemplayhouse.com, and they're also offering acting classes for both kids and adults at Kaiser Homegrown Theater and adult classes at Chemeketa Community College. To sign up, go to thesalemplayhouse.com and click the Classes tab. Spotlight Community Theater at SpotlightCT.com. The first annual Beverly Wilson Summer Youth Drama Camp happens at Spotlight July 31st through August 4th. You can find more information on their website. And they are also calling for play proposals from directors for their 2023-24 season. Apply now to info at SpotlightCT.com. Struts and Frets Theatre Company is at strutsandfretstheater.org. And Shakespeare's A Winter's Tale is coming to Struts and Frets August 16th through 19th. That'll be at the Eola Hills Wine Cellars on Highway 99 in Recreal. We'll talk with director Hannah Fawcett and two actors from the show later in today's program. Theater 33 at Willamette University at theater33.org. Theater 33's new play summer festival of works by Pacific Northwest Playwrights wraps up August 10th through 13th with The Names by Paul Lewis, directed by Rod Sabalas, followed by A Tale of Two by Angela Gurko on August 19th and 20th. Check out our KMUZ Theater Talk podcast for our interview with Susan Carmel and Thomas Nabham to learn more about Theater 33. 
on the college front, Corbin University at corbin.edu slash theater hyphen arts. This year's Corbin Theater Camp runs July 24th through August 5th. Listen to our KMUC Theater Talk podcast for an interview with the camp's director, Tamara McGinnis. Western Oregon University at wou.edu slash theater. Their Valley Shakespeare Company is on temporary hiatus this summer. We hope they will be back next summer with another outstanding production. We'll keep you posted as we learn more. Willamette University is at wutheater.com. And Willamette's 2023-24 season is going to kick off on October 26th through November 12th with the world premiere of In the Deep, a new musical with book and lyrics by E.M. Lewis and music by Clarence Roscoe McDonald. That wraps up this week's Theater Talk calendar. Up next, we'll learn more about Pedicle Theater's 2024 season from board president Emma Thurston and operations manager Stephen Trahan. Stay with us. Well, this week is the Salem Art Fair. And it's a time when Pentacle Theater announces its new season every year. And today we have board president Emma Thurston and operations manager Stephen Tran to tell us all about Pentacle's 2024 season announcement. Welcome to Theater Talk, Emma and Stephen. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. So a lot of theaters are having problems getting people back into the theater uh, it's been a real tough recovery from COVID. What was your goal as an organization to bring more people into your theater uh, to see shows? You know, something that really drove our season selection process this year was what are people passionate about? And letting our volunteer base and our director pool come to us with their passion projects so that that excitement would be infectious. We have had a very successful season selection process, so many passion projects before us. It was a very difficult decision this year. And already we can see that excitement just totally flowing through the community. And I think that that's key because when you have artists making the things that they're excited to make, people can tell. And the difficulty with choosing a season is it's real tempting to look for a season that appeals to everybody. But we know that if something is meant to appeal to everybody, then it tends to appeal to nobody. <laughs> and so we're looking for, a, you know, maybe this show appeals to these specific people. This show appeals to these specific people and really kind of reaching those unique corners of our community to really have some exciting stuff that can really bring people back and make people excited to sit back in our seat. It was an impressive process to watch as script reading committee came together um, and was it was a really open process for directors and those volunteers to be involved in you know choosing from a wide selection of of different kinds of projects and um, and I think it's impressive that going through that natural process the season I think fits together in a very strong way that is going to appeal to people. So it was very exciting. So did you guys do any outreach with the local community and audiences to gauge their interests and needs for this upcoming season? We certainly didn't do like a, uh, you know, survey monkey 
to the community, what do you want to come see? But we definitely involved as many people in the season selection process as we could. Our script reading committee work separately from the board to look at scripts and vet scripts and look at, does this appeal to our community and asking others what they think of scripts. So there wasn't a a formal surveying process by any means, but we do know that, especially from feedback that we got from our hot list, that the community is excited about what we've got. Were there any challenges or obstacles you had to overcome when you were planning the season and I think one of the challenges that I'm aware of, for example, is you had a large number of plays that were proposed by a really good size group of directors and only six slots in the season. In addition to musicals, yeah, um, it was a very tough choice. I would say that that was the biggest challenge of the process. And honestly, though, it's the best kind of problem and challenge to have because in You know, recent years, especially during COVID and trying to come out of COVID, it's been hard to get people to be interested in directing because it's such a big challenge. And and especially, you know, again, with COVID fears of, you know, health and safety concerns and all that and financial concerns, it's been hard to get people to come back. And so, you know, with our call basically to say, bring us your passion projects, boy, did Everyone listen to that because we had at least three times as many proposals as we could select. What we did to make sure that we could successfully get through that process was really heavily communicate with our directors and let them know, you know, what to expect. We talked um, with the script reading committee and the board. We collaborated to look at what our concerns were for each show and giving the directors time to prepare for how they plan to address those things and having a very organized proposals day and making sure they had all the material they needed, that we were respectful with their time and gave them enough time to prepare. It was a huge undertaking to make sure that everyone had a, a positive process and that we could get through that all and make the best decision possible. But we made it. No, oh, that's great. Before we get to naming them all, how did you work to balance between presenting like, you know, well-known popular plays as opposed to maybe newer, lesser known works to your season? I think every theater, you know, struggles with this. And and sometimes there's the, you know, sort of formula that you can fall back on. But Our big thing was looking at a very unsexy way of looking at it sometimes, but, you know, what's worked in the past in terms of patterns, right? Like what kinds of shows work well in earlier in the year versus late in the year? And for example, usually your first show of the year, you're going to want a comedy in there, right? You want to start off the year with something lighthearted and fun to bring people to the theater because they just spent all their money on Christmas and New Mm -hmm. Year. (laughs) So, you know, there, there's some of that kind of uh, unsexy thinking that goes into it. But there's also a matter of flow, you know, and thinking about if someone sees every single show on the season, season ticket holders, what is the flow of energy from each show to the next, right? You don't necessarily want two really deep tragedies next to each other. You wouldn't necessarily want your you know, if you had two Shakespeare shows, you want wouldn't want those one after the other, right? You kind of want to sprinkle that in. I mean, there's so many factors of, you know, when are people in town and, and uh, when's our dark time? So that part of it is, it's definitely a big puzzle. 
something that may seem obvious to the three of us, but for somebody who isn't really aware of all of the, the inner workings, um, this isn't a single led artistic director for the company chooses which shows they are, that it was really, uh, in my mind, a community project through the script reading, script reading committee and the board discussions about which shows, which content, which placement um, that was really quite remarkable. Does Pentacle have a theme for the selection of plays for 2024? I would say we don't necessarily have a theme, but something that resonates is that it will be our 70th anniversary season. And that's something that um, is joyful for certain. There are some other anniversaries that sort of stand out within a few different shows. One of them is set in 1954 when Pinnacle Theater first opened. Uh, one of our directors is having an anniversary of their directing with Pinnacle. And another production is also having a um, anniversary from its first film debut. So the moment everybody's been waiting for, what is the 2024 season of plays? And can you provide a little synopsis or an overview of each one as we go through the list? Yeah, sure. This bittersweet memoir evocatively captures the life of a struggling Jewish household where, as his father states, if you didn't have a problem, you wouldn't be living here. This is Joe Dodge's 50th director credit at Pinnacle Theater. She will be directing Brighton Beach Memoirs from January 12th to February 3rd. Stephen, do you want to take the next one? Sure. So this one is the TBA. The show that will be selected is, a, is at least a four-time Tony Award-winning production. And uh, it will be directed by Robert Salberg. We'll be announcing it as soon as we have the rights confirmed. And the production will run from March 1st to March 23rd. And what's next, Emma? A laugh-out-loud comedy from our 2020 season that would have been a seemingly harmless bet between old women quickly escalates into a dangerous game of one-upmanship that reveals not just the tenacity of these worthy opponents, but also deeper truths that each would rather remain hidden. This is Ripcord, directed by Karen McCarty, April 19th through May 11th. And the next play could be considered a chilling thriller, it's a contemporary play addressing social issues that are extremely relevant to modern audiences. This is directed by Emily Loberg, running from June 7th to June 29th. Boy Gets Girl. Making his directorial debut at Pentacle Theater, Brandon Gitchell will be directing this next show. It's a dark and stormy night, and you've been invited to a very unusual dinner party. Each of the guests has an alias. The butler offers a variety of weapons, and the host is, well, dead. So who done it? This is Clue, running August 23rd to September 14th. All right. What's up next, Stephen? Up next is a blockbuster musical, Footloose, directed by Jerry Greeno, running from October 11th to November 2nd. Footloose may feel like a musical about dance, but in truth, the show is very much relevant to what we are seeing today with those in charge placing unreasonable restrictions on younger generation. The show is almost like a parable and will entertain our audiences while at the same time reminding them that they cannot use fear to control. It will always lead to rebellion. And finally, a romantic Regency era holiday comedy, a sequel to Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice set two years after the novel ends, Miss Bennett Christmas at Pemberley continues the story, only this time with bookish middle sister Mary as its unlikely heroine. Directed by Jennifer Jim Zuski, November 29th to December 21st. 
Wow, that's a really great lineup. Just real quickly, uh, for those who may not know, we've already talked a little bit about the script reading committee and and the board, you know, being involved in the season selection. How exactly does that work from beginning to end? The board selects somebody to chair our script reading committee. Our script reading committee chair selects in collaboration with the board, a group of people from our community who, you know, hopefully represent a, you know, diverse group of our community to read a ton of scripts Mm-hmm. and evaluate them for, you know, their content and, you know, whether they're feasible for our stage, whether they represent our community, whether they transport us to new lands, whatever it is, but, you know, whether they may fit on the season. Meanwhile, we have directors also suggesting scripts and saying, hey, I want to do this script. Will you please evaluate it? And finally, at the end of the process, the script reading committee provides a list to the board of the shows that they think would be viable. And this year we tried something a little bit different where really if a director was interested in a show, unless there was something that was out of their control that you know would have prevented us from being able to do it at all, we pretty much let it onto our hot list. And from the hot list, anyone can propose a show. And from there, our directors proposed their passion projects to us. And then in collaboration with Script Reading Committee, the board chose our season. Well, that sounds like a really collaborative process. I know that having been a longtime member of Pentacle Theater, the theater has really grown in the 70 years uh, that it's existed. Uh, back when I started, the stage was small. We're still using lights that were made out of giant juice cans with a floodlight bulb inside. <laughs> and uh, just was really kind of seat of the pants theater. But over the years, there have been an enormous number of technical improvements, including a remodel of the theater in the 1990s that uh, expanded the backstage and uh, the performance space, lighting improvements that you guys have made, and just recently, a terrific new sound system. The reason I mention all of that is how are those improvements figure into what the productions are in this next season? Well, we have some pretty exciting titles that are going to require some pretty (laughs) exciting technological uses. Something that I think is really lovely is since reopening, Shrek was our first kind of big company musical since reopening after all of those improvements, particularly to sound. And oh my gosh, did it make a difference. And so with our big musicals next year, I'm so excited to be able to continue to utilize that sound system and really show off how gorgeous it'll sound with so many people and everyone just, I mean, like in this small little space, you would think that the sound wouldn't be that big of a deal, but anyone who was in there before and after knows how wonderful that's going to be. We also have some shows that have some really interesting technical challenges that we're definitely going to have to be a little creative about how to solve them. Ripcord, for example, involves a skydiving scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's going to be something mm-hmm. that we're going to have to get real creative with in our space and really think about how we can use these technological advancements that we've made, things like sound and lighting, to you know make these things really feel like a pretty amazing spectacle. With Clue, 
we're going to be using projections again, which we've seen uh, a bit of in, in recent seasons. And with upgrades we've been making to those systems as well, that's also going to be a very exciting thing to see. And, you know, there's always the bottom line. The theater has to at least break even for the season. That seems to be a challenge these days to almost any community theater and professional theater. OSF in Ashland is having financial problems. Playhouses up in Portland and even locally uh, are having to watch their nickels and dimes. How did you address the financial aspects of producing the season? And have you had to make any special budget constraints or considerations for the 2024? Well, one of the ways that we have decided to address those financial concerns is that we've actually been taking a look at our sponsorship program. Uh, shows are getting more and more expensive to produce. And Stephen, you might be able to talk a little bit about you know, where we're headed with sponsorships and how others in our community can help us to overcome these financial costs. In the past, sponsorship levels have been about $3,000, $5,000, something like that. Um, and somebody made the comment, is that what it takes to produce a play? <laughs> and the reality is, no, it's more like $30,000 to produce a musical and maybe $20,000 to produce a play. So we were trying to sort of open up the sponsorship levels in a way that's a little more uh, educational, I suppose, just something that that more that reflects the need in more reality. And we're also wanting to open up sponsorship so that um, it's not a, a, an exclusive that multiple people can sponsor. Um, hopefully, we'll be finding some good corporate sponsors. So that is a program that we're we're looking at and um, wanting to make sure that we're always very appreciative of all the support that we receive, but also trying to find ways to make that opportunity uh, available to more people. Emma, no community theater can operate without a budget, but also more important are the volunteers that uh, help put shows on, volunteer actors, the volunteer backstage crew, the volunteer hosts in the hospitality guild that take tickets and serve refreshments. How's that going? Have the volunteers come back uh, to Pinnacle Theater after COVID? Yes, they have come back, but we still have very much a need for new ones. We have so many different ways that people can get involved at Pinnacle Theater. Of course, people can audition. You know, all of our actors are volunteers and audition announcements usually go out to, you know, a good like four or five months before a show opens. And auditions are usually about three months before, and we rehearse for a couple months before the show starts. So that's a great way to get involved if that's something that somebody's interested in. But there's also a ton of other ways to get involved. You mentioned the Hospitality Guild. That is such a good way for folks to come get involved just for a small amount of time. And the Hospitality Guild helps with ushering. They help with concessions and pouring drinks. And if someone wants to pour drinks, we can get them their OLCC serving license will cover the cost. And if anyone's interested in that, then they can reach out to hospitality at pentaclepeter.org. And if somebody does help with hospitality, the night that you help out, the, out at the theater, you're able to see the show for free. So it's a pretty fun opportunity to, um, you know, have a discounted access to a show and also be helping us out. There's also other ways to get involved too. If you want to be behind the scenes of a certain show, we have actually a open house coming up for volunteers who want to help behind the scenes. So want to help with costumes, help with backstage crew, 
if you want to help with sound and lighting, all of those kinds of things are things we need help with. The open house is August 12th at our theater at 1 p.m. And all the directors for our shows will be there to talk about what their needs are and, you know, get your information down. So there's tons of committees, right? I mean, we have a marketing committee. We have facilities. We have costume committees. So anything you can think of, if somebody wants to get involved at Pentacle and they just don't know how, there's a great form that they can fill out on the website that'll get sent to us, but they can also reach out directly to Stephen. And that's operations manager at pentaclefeeder.org. And no experience necessary. This is OTJ, on-the-job learning. Yes. Right? So this is what, what community theater is all about, is making friends and learning new skills and having fun uh, while you're contributing uh, good theater to the rest of your community. That's right, Ed. Thank you very much, Stephen Trayan and Emma Thurston from Pentacle Theater for joining us here on Theater Talk to talk about uh, the 2024 season. You can find more information about Pentacle's 2024 season on Pentacle's website. That's pentaclestheater, with an R-E, dot org. And on their Facebook page, Pentacle Theater in Salem, Oregon, is uh, the name of their Facebook page. Or you can check our Theater Talk Facebook page as well where we'll post the uh, information for the new season. So uh, thanks again, Emma, uh, the president of the board of uh, Pentacle Theater, and Stephen Trayan, uh, the operations manager for Pentacle. Thank you very much for joining us here on Theater Talk. Thanks so much, Ed. Thank you, Ed. Great to be here. In just a moment, we'll talk with director Hannah Fawcett and actors Jeff Sanders and Amelia Woolsey from William Shakespeare's A Winter's Tale, coming to Struts and Frets Theater Company August 16th through 19th. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We're talking with the director of the production of The Winner's Tale, Hannah Fawcett, and some of the actors from the production, uh, Amelia Woolsey, uh, part of the youth ensemble of the show, and Jeff Sanders, who is playing Leontes. Welcome to Theater Talk. Uh, let's talk about the play. Hannah, The Winter's Tale is one of Shakespeare's shows that is uh, really interesting to me. Uh, it's not a show that's popularly done. Uh, what brought you to bring The Winter's Tale alive on the Struts and Frets stage? Because this play is challenging and uh, sometimes problematic in its nature, um, the, the thing that I always say in rehearsals is that the text is a living document. It is there to serve the story we're telling and we are there to serve that story. So I think that that reciprocity of that storytelling is is where uh, the, the, the most fruitful uh, practice is. So I think that what people will, will bring from this story is a sense of joy and um, a sense of forgiveness. My favorite quote from the play is, um, it, is it is required you do awake your faith, which is spoken very, very near the end of the play. And I think that that is the heart of it, is the faith that we have in people and the faith that we have in magic and just the, the faith that we have in the world around us. So that is the story that we are trying to bring forth from this, uh, this challenging play. My favorite quote from the play is a stage direction. <laughs> oh. oh yes yeah that the famous one yeah the famous one yeah exit pursued by a bear 
<laughs> that is the best. How how are you staging that, Hannah? The the bear? Yeah. <laughs> In particular. Um <laughs> One of my favorite things as a director is uh, the moments and plays that scare me, that scare me artistically, uh, that scare me, you know, in terms of content. Um, I really, I delight in the not knowing of it. So right now I'm in a place where I don't know how it's going to happen. And I am delighted by possibility. I have ideas and I've shared some of those with the company, but ultimately um, what comes out of my stupid little brain will, will, it remains to be seen. So <laughs> the bear is open to interpretation. In other words, it is, of course, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Theatrical magic. Jeff, how are you approaching Leontes? Like the play, it's a challenging role. It's one that, you know, uh, I've never seen live because you don't see a lot of live productions. I've seen a couple uh, of uh, recorded stage productions and I kind of grew up hearing John Gilgood uh, performing the part. Oh, sure. Um, who was a famous Leontes back in the late 50s, early 60s. Uh, I know Anthony Sher had a really wonderful Leontes in uh, early 2000s. Even though the play is problematic and challenging, actors seem to get very excited by this part. Uh, there's a lot to it. There yeah. are extremes of ups and downs. It, it, it's a sort of exciting joy to play. But yeah, like the play itself, it is a challenge. But it goes through so many changes. Yeah, I think there's uh, as many plot changes uh, or plot twists in this show as there is in uh, an entire season of Game of Thrones. That yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with that assessment. Um, there is a lot of play here. There's a lot of story here. It spans. What did we spend? Nineteen years, Hannah. Yeah. Nineteen years, correct. Yeah, we see things that happen in my kingdom under some pretty uh, questionable activities by the king, uh, and <laughs> then we see the world change as time goes on. You know, I saw it. Uh, a long time ago at the Folger Shakespeare Library oh. Theater. Uh, yeah, it was really a bad production. Oh, no. I, I mean, I just have to say, I'm really hoping you can put some excitement in this production. Oh, because gosh, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I know that it excites me, the play. I find this play, uh, it, it is, it's dramatic. It's also funny. There is music. There are characters to root for and characters that are very, very, well, complicated, that have qualities that are good and bad. There's something for the groundlings, there's something for the thinking man, and there's something for the fans of uh, dramatic comedy, because there is comedy in this show as well. Oh, and there's comedy, there's some music. There are two separate countries. We have Sicilia, we have Bohemia, and things are very different in these two places. And we start off in Sicilia, where we see Leontes dealing with his family life, and then we see life in Bohemia as some of the people who were changed by his actions in the first part of the play as they grow up and go through some things. Uh, your character is the fulcrum around which the entire plot revolves just because of some of the decisions that he makes early in the play. Right. Sends everyone on journeys that they had no idea they were going to go on. Yes. I do want to highlight, um, Jeff mentioned, you know, that there are there are good people 
Um, and then there are more complicated people. I completely agree. There's nobody in this play that's fully bad. And I think that's why this play is is so so wonderful and so wonderful to explore both, you know, from a production standpoint and, and from an audience standpoint, because it is deeply complicated. That's one of the things that we are having such a good time with in rehearsal is, is you know, sussing out um, the complexities of story and character. Right. I treat a lot of characters really horribly. And as it, it is challenging for me to do that. Um, <laughs> I tend to not try to t- treat people that way with unreasonable jealousy or whatever. Yeah. How are you playing the jealousy? Because it, it seems to come out of nowhere. It does. But I think if you look at it, and I've after having researched what other actors have done with it, and there are a lot of different theories about where it comes from. And some of them are very complicated, and some are like, well, it's, he's jealous because it says so. <laughs> but without getting into boring actor-related stuff, Shakespeare has very neatly laid out all of the symptoms for the delusional jealousy syndrome. So so there is that psychologically based approach to take as an actor. Well, that makes a lot of sense because what he does doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. The audience doesn't see the things that he's seeing and they have to kind of glean it through the, the imagery that he uses and the things that he says. Well, a Sicilian would say his blood boils with jealousy and blinds ah, him. Yes, that would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's that's perfect. Amelia Woolsey, you're part of the youth ensemble for this production. What exactly is the youth ensemble? So the youth ensemble is a group of high school students who are given the opportunity to work with uh, adult uh, acting professionals. And so we get to learn from uh, those around us uh, by acting in a professional company. And um, whether that means new spaces, new techniques, um, we get to we get the opportunity to work with new people and learn new things, which has been really cool. What part or parts are you playing in this show? Uh, In this show, I am playing um, a lord named Cleomenes and a shepherdess named Mopsa. And they are both members of either Cecilia for Cleomenes and then Bohemia for uh, Mopsa. And they're both very different characters, and I'm very excited to play both of them. How many are there in your youth ensemble? I'd say maybe a little less than 10. Hannah, would you agree? This is our largest youth ensemble um, ever at at Struts and Brats. So that's, that's really, really exciting. Um, and we are super stoked to continue to build this program. It's it, We've had it around for a while. We've just finally codified it into um, the, the youth ensemble as it is now. We have 11 members of the youth ensemble. What a great opportunity for them. We definitely think so. I mean, and the 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 fruits of you know the their labor and what they learn, they they bring it to their schools, and it you know I have seen it firsthand uh, the confidence that it gives them and uh, the level of professionalism. It, it's it's really astounding what they can bring back, um, and all before they've graduated high school. Well, and it's wonderful for the uh, those of us in the not youth ensemble as well, because we have a chance to to be working with very talented young people who are passionate and driven and 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 know new techniques that some of us might not know yet. So this is really a 
a blended experience for learning. It's really great. Well, Hannah, speaking uh, about the numbers in the youth ensemble, how many cast members do you have in this show altogether? Because there's a long list of characters here. Yeah, this is a huge play. Um, it's it's definitely one of the largest we've had at Struts and Frets for a while. Um, so there are 16 actors in the show playing umpteen roles. Like there are many, many characters in this play. Um, so we have quite a bit of doubling and there's also an extensive understudy system in play as well. Uh, because in these times, it's always good to be prepared. So most of our youth ensemble are understudying the big the big roles of this play. Hannah, can you give us just a little uh, thumbnail synopsis of what the show is about for those who are not familiar with it? Oh my gosh, this play is so tricky to distill into, you know, a, a paragraph, but I will do my best. It's my belief that The Winter's Tale is ultimately a fairy tale. Jeff spoke to the extremities of, you know, performance in this. We go from, um, it, you know, to heightened, heightened rage, and then immediately into a sense of um, devastating sorrow. And all of that can happen very, 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 very quickly in, the, in a short period of time. But the the gist of the story is the the king Leontes of Sicilia ultimately breaks his family apart due to his jealousy and he in doing so he loses his daughter and he cannot he cannot have an heir and he cannot make the make the country at peace until that daughter is found and that's the that's the basis of the story we're trying to reunite a father and his daughter and then within that, we have uh, the importance of parents and children. That's really what the play hinges on for me as a director, is the relationship between parents and children. And there's a time gap. Yes, there is. Uh, it's originally listed as 16 years, but we felt it was uncomfortable to consider a 16-year-old girl to be um, of marrying age and in a place where she could decide her own life to that extent. So we have um, upped it to 19. So yes, there is uh, a character who comes out and delivers a soliloquy about how much time has passed. And that is, uh, we just slide right over from, you know, 16 years ago in Sicilia to now, or 19 years, sorry, and then 19 years over into, um, into Bohemia. At what point does that happen in the play? It's right after intermission. Part one takes place in Sicilia, save for a tiny, tiny little bit uh, in Bohemia. And then we spend most of part two in Bohemia and then a tiny, tiny little bit back in Sicilia. I think this is a really unique version of this play. At least, I, gosh, I'd like to think so. Because, <laughs> um, you know, you were you were speaking about a production that you didn't, uh, you know, it yeah. wasn't very engaging. Um, yes. And I think that that is what's tricky because this play is about ideas. And so foregrounding those ideas into, into a playable space, which is why I have established, um, you know, the idea of fairy tale being so important. Um, and there's a, there's a unique framing device that we're using in this play that I don't want to give anything away because I think that it ultimately is uh, the most important part of this telling for me. So um, look out for that. Look out for the framing device. I think it's um, it, it warms my heart is what I'll say. Oh, great. So the audiences will see a fairy tale and they will take away maybe more. I think isn't that what we always want in a play, you know? Yes. 
this is exciting theater. This is like like things are happening from the moment the play starts. We are we jump right in, and and it is eventful, and it is there is you know some edge of your seat emotional excitement. It's it's this is good theater. There are few people that are in Salem that will know more about Shakespeare than you two. Hannah Fawcett, you have directed Shakespeare. And Jeff has played and directed Shakespeare. I think that's wonderful. That's what we do here at SNF. We are a text-based <laughs> classical company. Uh, that's our focus. Uh, Jeff is one of our, he's a resident member of our company. And, you know, we think that the classics have really exciting things to say. Amelia, what is the top line thing that you have learned in working with these two Shakespearean uh, experts? I think the main thing is, is that there's a lot more meaning to it than people will like choose to realize because uh, a lot of people add it up to, oh, it's kind of like understanding a different language. And sometimes they might not take the effort into trying to understand what it's saying. And I think with if you're exposed to it more, the more you try and the better it is presented to you, then the more uh, involved you want to become with it and the more you understand and it's been really meaningful for me as an actor to be able to understand a lot of what uh, I've, like Shakespeare's plays have been saying because honestly there are some really great stories and really great lessons in these and it inspires me as an actor to try and keep learning it so that I can share these stories with everyone else who might be scared to open up to what the stories have to say. While this play relies on some some darker themes, uh, it is going to be completely family friendly. Um, our intention, especially with this play, is to bring people in and to experience the wonder that is Shakespeare's work. So it, it's our goal to make sure that it's um, accessible for folks. Struts and Fresh Theater Company presents A Winter's Tale. It's coming August 16th through 19th, one of Shakespeare's most interesting and very involved shows. It's at the Eola Hills Wine Cellars on Highway 99 in Ricreal. Go early, get yourself a glass of wine, uh, find a good seat, and have a great time. Tickets are available at strutsandfreshtheater.org. Hannah Fawcett, Jeff Sanders, Amelia Woolsey, thank you so much for joining us here on Theater Talk to tell us about A Winter's Tale. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Ednan. It's time to wind up today's KMUZ Theater Talk program. Thank you for joining us. Next week at 9 a.m., you can tune in to Talking About Art with Joel Zach. KMUZ Theater Talk is a proud member of the Salem Theater Network. KMUZ Theater Talk airs at 9 a.m. the first and third Friday of the month at 100.7 and 88.5 FM and on your favorite radio app or on demand at KMUZ.org. You can also listen to our KMUZ Theater Talk podcast anytime on your PC, mobile device, smart speaker, or in your car wherever you get your podcasts. Ed and I will be back August 4th with a brand new KMUZ Theater Talk program to fill you in on what's happening in the Mid-Willamette Valley theater world. In the meantime, check out our Theater Talk 
Facebook page for news and updates about live theater in the Mid-Willamette Valley. If you haven't yet joined in to support Theater Talk and the rest of KMUZ's great community radio programs, go to KMUZ.org right now and click the Contribute button at the top of the page. And thanks. Until next time, we'll see you in the front row. row.